Welcome to You, Me, and the SEC, the podcast about the intersection of SEC football and culture. Coming to you a day later than usual um, because we were all in mourning. Were after, we? Were after we? what happened on Rocky Top. Uh, just so sad oh, for, for Tennessee. Top. So Is sad. It? Of course, that's what I was going to talk about. I mean, I don't know if there's anything else to say. Uh, about this weekend of football, in fact, I think uh, I think we're pretty much done here, right? <laughs> Just one mention of Tennessee, and then we're done. I don't think so. Uh, I don't think I'll let you off the hook that easy. Uh, but I will be kind. I will be kind. Uh, well, how was? Let's just jump in there. How was? How was your Saturday? Because I was not with you <laughs> for most of it. Drinking my juice. Um, it was fine. So if you uh, were not aware, we had an SEC East showdown between bitter and longtime football rivals, Georgia and Kentucky. You know, that's when when I moved up to Lexington, that was one of the things is I was like, I can. (laughs) Did you want me to move the mic up? Yeah, I was doing some cereal. Yes, that's what I was trying to get you to do to a minute into the podcast is eat some cereal. <laughs> you look like you're just no, wafting like, something up. Yes, I was okay. trying to okay, okay. see how much better it sounds. Yes, it, yes. When I get a hand cramp, we'll see. Um, oh. Anyways, when I moved up to Lexington from Athens, I remember thinking this is the least offensive place I could be going from Athens, like SUC College Town. And the blue was pretty. Starkville, not uh, not offensive to you. I mean, it probably the cowbell. That that is it. offensive. What about Ole Miss? Um, there. I mean, it would it you probably would less have much so. Rather had spent your time in in Oxford than Lexington. Yes. Oh, why? I, I can see it. Well, Oxford's nice. I've heard. I know neither of us have been there. Yeah, I don't know anything at all. Of course, hold on. Let me keep talking. I got to make sure my mic is is working. Which side is the um? Best. Well, so yes, there is not typically a big rival. Did you just turn me off? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, all right, just keep talking. Okay. <laughs> There's not typically a big rivalry in UK. George, <laughs> why don't we just stop it for a minute? What are you doing? All right. I'm good. You're good? Yeah. Okay. There's not typically a rivalry between UK and Georgia, except for in this house, which That's there true. always is. Yes. But there was this weekend because you had, again, you got two unranked teams playing each other. Game day was there in Athens. It was definitely a showdown to begin with. Yeah. And I think it confirms everything that we knew about both teams already. Uh, yeah, one, that's a good way to put it. Right, I thought so. Uh, one is that Georgia's really... Well, what did that gesture mean? <laughs> I think you know. Go ahead. And are you trying to waft something up and eat some cereal? Yeah, is that what you're telling finger. me? Eat, eat some cereal? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so Georgia's got a really good defense. I don't know if anyone knew that, but they're they're pretty good. Um, you don't really run the ball on them. That's just not an option. And what it did is it showcased that Kentucky has been recruiting wide receivers for the last three or four years with the intent of we don't really do forward passing and we just run the ball and it really showed kind of a lack of playmaker ability on the outside because Georgia just said hey we're going to take away your two best players on offense and you're going to make Will Levis just throw little five-yard passes the whole game and that's what he did and he actually Levis had the most completions against a Georgia defense um 
like the second most, I think the second most completions in the Kirby Smart era. Oh, wow. Uh, I think. Don't quote me on that. But it's the second most at some point. And then he also uh, was able to have like the highest completion percentage. So uh, in quite some time against Georgia's defense. So basically Georgia's like, we're going to let you do this, but you know, you're not going to be able to like extend the field or, or do anything exciting. Yeah. I mean, from my point of perspective, they Kentucky and Georgia for the past couple years, at least, I think we've mentioned this before, have played this kind of close this game and it kind of relatively than I would like it. And I think on Saturday, I mean, there was a time where nobody was scoring and everyone in my house was sweating. Well, it's, it's kind of like this. They're the same program in the sense of, in terms of style, in the sense of we're going to run the ball, we're going to play defense and we're going to, we're not going to be too flashy. And the problem is Kentucky has three and four stars and Georgia has four and five stars and right. maybe some six star players oh, from wow. what I saw <laughs> uh, on defense. So, you know, it's just uh, I think that, you know, you look at the scores the last two years and they've been, you know, 10, 20 point games. But it really hadn't been that close because it's like, I mean, there's just nothing like what Georgia practices against every day. And they see in their offense is basically what Kentucky does. Only Kentucky's less talented. So I think just for kind of at this point for Kentucky's program, you're kind of looking at like where are they stacking with the SEC East? And I think they're very close to Florida at this point. And we'll talk about Florida and just the disaster that has befallen them. Um, But it's, I think a big distance from getting up to Georgia's level. I think what maybe I meant to say is they always start close. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, because I know that the end score is usually Georgia the last couple of years have kind of pulled away. I right. think last year was different. But um, this year was kind of the same as no one was scored in the first quarter. Yeah. And at that time, um, I was celebrating my mom's birthday without mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And we were about to have some strawberry cake, some Gabriel strawberry cake. And I made the declaration, I don't think I told you this, that... If Georgia loses this game, I'm not bringing you any chocolate, any strawberry cake. Well, and everybody agreed with me <laughs> that if Kentucky beats Georgia today, you do not get any. I strawberry think at cake. that point I would have just gone out and bought a whole cake for myself <laughs> and just true. ate the whole thing that night because I would need the sugar to to match my energy level. Uh, but yeah, so it, it didn't end up being that way. So Georgia wins, and Georgia. Here's the thing you can't lose this year. I mean, if if you if you not, don't win at all, it's the biggest Georgia of all Georgias. Yes, and I know. That's why we're all nervous. Yes, you I mean, it's just the ultimate. And here's the thing, if you do win, it's like, well, good job, you had the best team. So is yes. there really any joy in that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, listen, yeah. part of a lot of our momentum this year is just to get to the end. To get, to get what we want. It does not matter what it looks like. Mm-hmm. I personally don't care if we don't play Alabama. I don't care. Yeah, but I want that. Yeah. Na- I know. I know. And you're not the only one that says that. Okay. So so here's the scenario. You beat Ole Miss in the SEC championship. <laughs> okay. You beat Cincinnati in the semifinal game. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you beat, oh, I don't know, Oklahoma. 
mm-hmm. okay, in the or even like Michigan or someone who could like realistically still get to the playoff. Mm-hmm. Like, does it count then? I mean, you yes. didn't beat any of the big guns. I mean, you beat Clemson at the beginning of the year, but you really Clemson. I don't know what has happened to Clemson. Wake Forest has captured Clemson's body and like held them hostage this year. Oh, wow. Basically, what you're seeing at Clemson is basically Wake Forest. Wake Forest is undefeated, so maybe they switched bodies at the beginning of the year. Who huh. knows? Um, Ohio State is like lurking, right? But they're not. They don't look like unbeatable at all. Um, Oklahoma, if they figure out their quarterback situation, looks good, but they don't have a defense. They let TCU, a team called the Horn Frogs, score 31 on them. I don't. I don't really see much of a problem there. It's like all these top teams are down. So, like, is there, like, any part of you that says, yeah, you might win it this year, but you didn't have to, like, win that game, you know, and that 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 magic moment where you topple all your, your past demons because you, you get to beat Cincinnati in the playoff. Like, I, You're talking just the Alabama team. Or you're saying that we should be able to beat like a really, really good Ohio State team. No, I feel like team think like, about the joy that you would get if you beat Alabama in the SEC and then you beat Clemson and then Ohio State. Sure. I love that. Yeah. I love that story for us. Yes. I, but I'm not, I'm just saying that if that doesn't happen, then we still are national champions. Alabama last year. It uh-huh. was a COVID year, uh-huh. a shortened season. Right. Is anybody saying that they did not deserve? Yeah, but but of that, course they deserved it. That was a it, great team. But that Alabama they had. has won like five in no, the last no, no, ten years. But so that it, was a great. Alabama had a great team last year. Georgia. Nobody's saying that they're just slipping through these teams. They have a great team. They have an undisputable best team in the yeah, nation right now. Of course they do. That is. But I'm un- saying, do they have? Do they have a natural rival this year? That they have to topple. Alabama. Are you sure? No. But it's <laughs> Alabama, so yes. But that's but, because Georgia's so elite right this I'm gonna use Kirby Smart's word right okay. there. Is so elite right now. I mean Alabama has had that last year. They just twelve and 0 season. But this is Alabama's a totally different discussion. This is like this Georgia discussion is the context of you waited so long. Right. And like to not have like the final bosses for you to defeat at the end. Like in, in, there's a scenario where you're going to have to beat Oregon and, and, and you know, see, Oklahoma I, state in the playoff. Like, see, doesn't that like, cheapen the experience? I, I don't, that's just how the cookie crumbles. Right. Like, I mean, I, I can't, we can't control that. If they suck this year, then I'm sorry. We're really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know. Like in my mind, it's not like we're opting out not to play those teams. Right. You know, like it's just it's the way it's happening. Right. That a lot of these big programs are kind of struggling. But I still think they're good. Like even though yeah, Alabama. No one, no one debates that, that. that. No, I still think some of these programs are like these teams are good. You know, right. they're just not as elite as Georgia is. Right. Right. And nobody, y'all just are not used to Georgia being so good. Who's, y- who's y'all? Who y'all, are we talking? It's everyone in this room right now that <laughs> I'm so gesturing people. towards. Am I one of those sensitive Georgia fans? I hope no, not. No, it was funny because at the I end of the not. game, when Kentucky scored, which was brilliant, by the way, and Mark Stoops tonight was like, listen, we it try to score. up my betting. Well, that's the thing. The and he, he did admit, he's like, well, there might be some upset. 
the fans out there for the betting. I was like, yeah, you dig at him, Mark. That's so right. He did do that on purpose because I asked of you. Of course, I was he like, didn't do it for the gambling thing. Of course, he did it on purpose. I think that drive was that drive that Kentucky scored at the end was 22 plays and 11 minutes long. It was almost the entire quarter. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yes, because I left the two. Fantastic. I left the two minutes at the end of the game because all the kids I was with was driving me crazy to go play on the jeep outside then our daughter almost ran over our other daughter like two times and i was the only one outside anyways (laughs) i (laughs) there was a lot of georgia fans that i came back to twitter and all these things with everyone being really upset and i was like what in the world did i miss yeah um well anyway that's that's if you're counting in the the osborne bowl britney 12 been nothing over Mm. the last 12 years so one of these years, it'll happen. But if they do and that, then pod- we'll have a solo podcast. <laughs> <week> as a recap, <laughs> I don't know I, if I could. There do will it. be so much, especially so much laughing. this year. Especially this year. Yeah. Well. All yeah. right. Well, we got some other things to talk about. Um, let's. I mean, you want to go? Flo- let's go, Florida. Well, so Florida and LSU were playing, and everyone, you know, after last week was like, "Coach O is done." Well, as it turns out, he is. But. Everyone was thinking, okay, he's done, and LSU basically as a program is done too. Florida's coming to town. They're looking to to continue their momentum after beating Vanderbilt by like 250 points. So it's looking like a Florida win to get some revenge also for the shoe game from last year. But it didn't end up that way as LSU wins 49-42 in a game that probably, yes, Ed Orgeron's hot seat has officially uh, what do combusted? you call? What do you call? Yeah, what do you call that term? Yeah, like exploded, combusted. Okay, that seems a bit violent. I don't know. <laughs> Hot seat, ejected him. I don't know. I don't know either. But anyway, it, it might be that Dan Mullen is now on that hot seat as well. I know. Maybe he just passed it over the field. So, uh, what were your thoughts? Um, it's a game we kind of saw a little bit here and there. Um, yeah. Well, I have a good metaphor that I thought of. You know, I like my metaphors. Um. For Coach O, have you, I think, I know you've seen this. You've seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Of course. So you know the scene where they're walking through and they're like, bring out your dead, mm-hmm. bring out your dead. And there's like this pile of dead bodies because it's what, the Black Plague? Yes. And they, this guy brings him out, brings out this one guy over his shoulders and the guy's like, I'm not dead yet. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, what are we going to do? He's not dead yet. And I feel like this is Coach O, by the way. Yeah. And he, like going like after the Kentucky game, bringing Coach O and being like, here's your dead. Yeah. And then Coach O playing this Florida game, being like, I'm not dead yet. And then whoever the AD is at. Scott Warbird uh, yesterday got the final like ladle out and whapped <laughs> him off whapped the back of the, the head. head. Yeah. Threw him on the cart. That's right. And supposedly that deal was, you know, started last week. But I the so the official, um, not report, but official uh, wording of it was that they reached a, uh, an agreement mm-hmm. to separate, mm-hmm. which definitely sounds like a divorce. Oh, so, yeah. um, but I just, has that, does that, is that normal? I've never heard of like a team reaching an agreement with a coach to, to, we're going to go our own ways. Yeah. Pull a, uh, um, oh crap. What's her name? Gabriella from high school musical too. You got to go my own way. Uh, yeah, I think it, it happens. It happens. Sometimes it's not like um, it It doesn't get public. Sometimes I think that kind of thing is like privately discussed during the end of the year or close to the end of the year. They basically say, okay, it's it's time. I mean, it's time for us to to go a different direction. 
Um, but I think it's good for, I think it's a good move for LSU, the program, uh, because now Coach O, who, who loves LSU, obviously native of Louisiana, he's not going to do anything, I think, to like screw over the program on his way out. I just don't feel that's not how kind of his motivating factor works in this point. It allows him to recruit to the program and say, listen, the last three coaches who were here won a national title and look at all of our draft picks. So like, there's a lot to sell. But obviously, it's tough to do that without knowing who the the next head coach will be. Uh, and they're not going to announce that, obviously, until the end of the year. And we don't know. Maybe that's already the wheels are turning there. I'd be very surprised if they are. But certainly, LSU is not going to announce, I think, who their next head coach is in the middle of the season. So right. and I think I think it's a good – I mean, it kind of ends the, the, the kind of, you know, speculation – and it allows the team now to focus on actually trying to finish out the season mm-hmm. and, and try to, A, get to a bowl game. I think with beating Florida, they're going to get there. But also maybe get seven, eight wins. And they, I mean, LSU still got some huge games ahead to where they can make a big splash. And that can only help further with recruiting uh, right. down the road. So it's how do you convince the staff and the players who are there right now to stay invested? We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see how successful they are. Yeah, it's interesting. I can't remember the last time that um, I watched a lame duck coach, you know, mm-hmm. um, have to finish the season for this long. I mean, we're like the beginning that, of yeah, October. That's, a, that's another thing, yeah. Um, and, you know, we talked last time about some of the names that have been mentioned. Jimbo Fisher came out today that was, and he said, I'm staying at a and I love a right. You know, we talked that he was always a, a hot name for that position. Now, whether that's going to be true at the end of the season, I don't know. I feel like he has to say that right now as of head course. coach of A&M. Yeah. But, you know, we also talked about Lane Kiffin, Mark Stoops, um, I think we might have talked about James Franklin too, who well, I still think is. I'm going to go ahead and shut this down right now. I'm going to tell you the new, the next oh, coach. Okay, is. tell me. Mel Tucker. I have him written down. Mel Tucker, who is uh, a uh, uh, an old boy you know from Georgia. He was Kirby's defensive coordinator. Uh, he's at Michigan State and doing very well. If you remember Michigan State, like in the early part of this decade, they made the playoff in yeah. 2015, uh, and then they got roasted by Alabama. But the program really collapsed like a couple years ago. And then they hired Mel Tucker from, I think it was at Colorado. I want to say he was at Colorado or maybe for a year or something. But um, that might be totally wrong. But anyway, he's coming to Michigan State, and they're undefeated. Uh, and they're top ten, and I don't think they're that good. I think they've kind of benefited from a kind of a weaker schedule. They're going to hit the, the big guns here soon, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. But um, he's doing very well. He's very a very, very good recruiter. Um, I think he would do extremely well at LSU. Okay. Um, the, the other name to note, I think we mentioned this before, is Billy Napier, who's mm-hmm. at Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that'd be a natural fit. But I think Mel Tucker is Mel Tucker feels right because he's got SEC roots. Right. Um, he's been around the SEC. Yes. And uh, yet another of the Saban coaching tree. Right. Uh, you know, uh, to add it to, to the list. But... Uh, I, that's who my call is going to be. Of course, we won't know that until December. Yeah, I really, I just really don't think that another SEC coach is going to move over nah. to LSU. So I started, I did some research. So I got some questions for you. Okay. Okay. In the last 
30 years. There have only been two coaches that have gone from one SEC school directly to another SEC school. Okay. Who are they? Houston Nutt. Yes. Sorry, did you, did you say there were two? Yes. Houston Nutt and Dan Mullen. Where did, did Dan Mullen do that? Yeah, he was <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is three. Okay, let me think of the other one. That's right. I forgot okay. about Dan Mullen. Uh, Houston Nutt, Dan Mullen, Jerry DiNardo. Who's that? Is he not on the list? No. I think he went from like Vandy to or LSU. Maybe that's wrong. Okay. No, Wait, I... hold on. Give me a second. Okay. This is compelling radio. Okay. Well, um, let me, re- can I rephrase my question? Yes, you can. It's, I found two, <laughs> two coaches. <laughs> the Aflac trivia question. Oh, jeez. Okay, so there's there's still another one. I yeah, there's said. still another one. You know that, that I, they went directly. Yes. Okay. Um, I didn't know this. Uh, I don't know if that helps. Oh, I'm I'm sure I can think of it, but I'm not going to. Can I give you like the time. years? Yeah, the sure. 90s, late 90s. Late 90s. Yeah, 98 actually is when he made the switch. 98. 98. Um, who is it? Tommy Tuberville. Oh, the, the Honorable Senator. I didn't know that he was at Ole Miss. Ole Miss to Auburn, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I totally forgot about Dan Mullen. I feel real dumb. <laughs> <laughs> not going to lie. Man, I don't know who else you mentioned, who that other person Jerry was. De- Jerry DiNardo. Let me uh, let me look that up. Goodness. But I don't know. It'll be interesting. I don't think, like Ben said, we're really going to hear. Another name I've heard is Mario Cristobal, who's at Oregon. Yeah. He's been at Bama before, so he has SEC roots. We might hear his name. But again, I don't think all of those are current coaches um, with good teams. I, I think James Franklin is too prim and proper. For LSU, I don't. I think he'd go to USC yeah. before LSU. Yeah, so. I agree with that. Um, I I was correct about Jerry Denard. Wait, well, hold on. Were there parameters on your years? No, no. I mean, I said the last thirty years. Thirty. Yeah, Donardo went from Vanderbilt to LSU. Oh, okay. Yeah. What years? Uh, he left Vandy in nineteen ninety four. Okay, yeah. That was way outside of my research. <laughs> there you go. Oh, Do you goodness. know he was the coach of the Birmingham Thunderbolts? What is, oh, it was the XFL. Okay, okay, there you go. So, yeah, that was Florida L- LSU. Honestly, very surprised that LSU beat Florida. I don't know what's happening at Florida. Well, I Florida's feel like, got all sorts of problems. But uh, they, they did a little quarterback switcheroo. We saw some Anthony Richardson yeah. action. Guns out. Yeah, uh, and he Baton Rouge, and he did good. But they are really struggling, struggling on defense. Their D coordinator is Todd Grantham, a name I know well, <laughs> a Todd's, name that I have had bad words for as Todd's, well. Todd's been everywhere. Is, was Todd at Georgia? Yeah, yeah, he's been about every rival because he was at Louisville. Okay, he yeah, was at Florida. I, I think he left Georgia to go to Louisville. I'm sure he'll be at Tennessee at some point. Yeah, so maybe soon. Yeah, but, maybe soon. Maybe. He's not doing great down there, or at least their defense no, isn't. He's on the hot seat. Yeah, Todd's. You know, it's one of those things. This happens in um, in uh, you know we we make these like Premier League illusions sometimes. Sometimes you you hire the name. And it's like, well, that's a name we know, so let's let, let's just bring him in instead of like taking a chance on a young player mm-hmm. not player a young coach uh so like that happens in the premier league where they just basically have like these 10 managers who like cycle through all the bad teams and you're mm-hmm. like well he's there now right and he's there for the second time instead of like taking a chance on a young coordinator which you know this happened to lsu um it was just a very like unfortunate uh you know last couple years and what we need to go a little bit in, in more in depth with orgeron maybe in a later podcast 
uh, about what's happening and uh, the reasons for, kind of for his his fall. Uh, but one of those was hiring Bo Pelini as defensive coordinator last year, who was a name, right? I mean, he mm-hmm. was the coach at Nebraska. He was at LSU under Les Miles. Um, whereas, you know, you're seeing a lot of young coordinators, specifically offensively, coming from the NFL, like, you know, position coaches or things like that. who Nobody knows who they are, but they come in and crush it. So, I don't know. It, that that kind of seems like the thing with Todd Grantham is he's been literally everywhere. I feel like he's been the defensive coordinator at at all these schools, and maybe even at Downton Abbey too. You know, with a name like Grantham. Um, mm-hmm. But he—that was a good joke. Uh, but he uh, maybe it's time to take a chance on like a younger, more hungry, less proven, but maybe more dynamic defensive coordinator because I feel like everywhere Grantham goes eventually like a couple years into it it's like he's just a very easy punching bag yeah I think he's kind of a one-trick pony he looks also like a the younger brother of Sam Pittman I think they may be related maybe yeah maybe maybe. speaking of speaking of Sam things are not going well in Arkansas yeah you know I'm real I'm real disappointed you know Auburn went on the road to Arkansas had a noon game and Bonick showed up. He does. He did. He does that. Um, and it was a good game, but Arkansas is just struggling. I did not know Jefferson was a sophomore. KJ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Years are very relative right now. That's true. Because you can, you know, COVID year was free, and you can redshirt, but just play four games. Like nobody really knows what year anybody is. Yeah, but he, I mean, he's got some life in him at Arkansas, or if he decides to transfer somewhere, then that too. But uh, what are your kind of takes on that game? Um, you These teams play Auburn, Arkansas, LSU, maybe Mississippi State, A&M. I'm sure Ole Miss, we'll throw them all in there. I think if each of them played each other 10 times, they'd each win five. Yeah. I just don't think there is a team – that is significantly better than any of them or significantly worse. Um, it's just like, okay, let's just see what happens this week. Yeah. I think Arkansas just needs a, they, they need a reset because it was a tough loss to Ole Miss. That was, and obviously what happened to Georgia, that it kind of showed up, I think, in this game because you should beat Auburn at home, even though you're very evenly matched. But it's just one play here or there. Auburn had, a, I believe, a strip sack in the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, a couple big plays near the end of the game, and Bo Nix was was good. Bo Nix, so uh, I think I, I, I hate to toot my own horn, but I will toot it by saying that I really wasn't sold on Arkansas even when they were three and zero, and everyone was like whoopig, right? I'm like I don't I don't know if I see it yet, and um, you know now they're back to four and three. I think they'll still win seven eight games, but uh, I think the shine is off where they were for sure. Yeah, I think so too. I think that it's it this you know, I think you can kind of uh pat him on the back for the Georgia loss, you know. I think for Ole Miss it's like you showed up, you did good, you lost in the last minute. Um, but for this at home, it's like, okay, may maybe y'all are not as good yeah. as we thought. Um so yeah, and you know, the worst part to me is that this just makes Auburn feel good about themselves <laughs> Brian Harson is having a, a phenomenal first year and he really uh, is he has done he's done a lot better I just did not get a sense and you know I hate to say it was all like SEC media days but it was also Auburn's Auburn last year was just gross I mean they just weren't like 
appealing in any way and it's kind of hard to see i was like i don't see how this guy's going to come in and make them like that much more dynamic and i don't even know if they are that more dynamic but they're tougher and i think uh i think tough auburn is is a, a formidable force uh and an eight nine win team for sure and at that game at the end of the year um that game against um against alabama is is on the plains I think it's going to be a very, very close game. And, you know, if Auburn wins out, they still win the West, I believe. Okay. Uh, they may need to win. Um, I don't know if they need to win out or not because they only have two losses, I believe. So that would, that you know, the losses are Georgia and Penn State. So if they do win out, uh, they win the division. So anything is possible, mm-hmm. right? It's Ole Miss that would need help at this point. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I think um, – I think they certainly have made a play to to get into the eight nine win category with this win. So we'll see how they go down the road. Um, as far as some of the other games from this weekend, uh, of a little bit less notoriety, A and M traveled to Columbia, Missouri, and avoided a letdown. Kind of put Missouri away quickly. Missouri stinks. They, yeah, they really do. They're just bad, um, especially defensively. It's going to be tough for them, I think, to get to uh, to get to six wins at this point. So it's very disappointing. Um, for Drinkwitz, who basically said, I think after the game, he's like, uh, maybe we overachieved a little bit in, in year one, mm-hmm. you know, when they went five and five. And mm-hmm. that kind of catapulted Missouri discussion to a little bit of a higher spot um, for this year. And so basically, maybe <laughs> he's kind of covering his butt a little bit and saying, well, it's actually normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, Sof- or it could be a sophomore slump. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. I don't think there's any, you know, Missouri's, uh, the temperature is a little bit less than other schools to where he, he'll probably get a year or two more than maybe other coaches would to kind of prove himself. Um, South Carolina beat Vandy in the most dramatic fashion. You know how the game ended? Yes. So Luke Doty was stinking it up, and Vandy was in position, 20-14 to 14 lead, to win on the road at Columbia, which would be a phenomenal win. Right. I mean, any conference win this year for Vandy would be great. And then uh, Shane Beamer pulls Doty and put in puts in the grad transfer, grad assistant, uh, Zeb Noland, who leads Carolina down the field and scores with about 20 seconds left. And that place, listen, Here's the thing about South Carolina fans. Uh, they always show up, and they are always wild and crazy, and that atmosphere was crazy I know. when they scored that touchdown. It was like they were playing for the SEC championship and not just to beat Vandy, but they needed that win. They definitely <laughs> they did. They needed that win, and the way that he did it was very cool. And I mean, the, it, was, it was a good— And if the goal is to get to bowl eligibility, which I think should be the goal for South Carolina, they had to have that. They yeah. had to have that, um, and they got it. And uh, so just a great result for South Carolina um, because I think a loss, and I think Shane Beamer like is not going to get the fans back in year one if they lose that game. Right. But this way, in the exciting nature, I think it's a little bump. And I think if you're Vandy a fan, you got to be encouraged uh, to go down there and be that competitive. Uh, so, I, again, for Vandy, I don't know where any other wins are coming on the schedule, but – you have to see a little bit of encouragement. And they had a quarterback who came in. Ken Seals got hurt. Michael Wright came in and played very well as a backup quarterback. So encouraging signs for Vandy, which is about all we can say okay. uh, for the Commodores. And then the other game before we get to the main event, um, Alabama came roaring back and uh, did what they do best in Starkville, which is take a big poop on the 
cowbells. <laughs> Is that a bit too graphic? I don't know. A little bit. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was tough. Pick sixes in there. Alabama's defense was very very good, uh, and I think it it was as we expected that Nick Saban teams respond, and they are in position to again, you know, you know crack open a lot of wins here in a row and lead up to Atlanta. Yeah, so I think Bama definitely, you know, showed that they are not even going to flirt with Mississippi State, that they are just going to beat them. But right. I still there were there were some cracks in in the Bama offense and defense. So I I feel like they did not it was not like a 72 to nothing. Well, this is not a vintage well, it's forty nine to nine. I mean, it okay, was still, that's true. <laughs> still, fair enough. I don't know enough. what you wanted. This is not a vintage Alabama team, but it is also one that is and has the capability to improve. And um, you know, as I would, I would wonder as a Georgia fan, I don't know how much better Georgia's at least their defense can get. I think it's plenty good enough. People are like, oh, the offense can get a lot better. I don't know. I mean, Stetson. He's he's playing pretty well himself, and yeah. Georgia's tight ends just give up. I mean, there's no way you're gonna bother to defend them. But you know, if there's somebody who can draw that up, maybe with the talent at his disposal, we'll see about Nick Saban. But Alabama has no margin for error, so these little potholes that await them—Arkansas, Auburn, um, LSU, Tennessee. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Let's go ahead and head there. Yes. Uh, we didn't watch the second half of this game. No, we didn't. Uh, we watched the first half of Black Widow, um, which we need to finish. Which, uh, yes, and I wasn't. I wasn't very impressed. Oh, well, I see. I love Florence Pugh. Yeah, yeah. I would watch her in anything. Okay. Um, so I liked it. Yeah, I mean, it was okay. We were falling asleep. Yeah, I did fall I asleep. Was about, but anyway, we woke up and wow, we missed. I, I'm very disappointed with myself that I didn't stay up and watch this because you talk about an all timer. And listen, as a Kentucky fan, I enjoy when Tennessee has struggles because my childhood was filled with Tennessee whooping up on Kentucky just like Florida would uh, back in the Spurrier days. So to see Tennessee just. <laughs> <laughs> get so excited. Listen, here's the thing. Neyland Stadium was awesome. Yes, it, it looks so awesome. cool. I love it when out. they checkered out. Oh, it looks so good. And they were fired up. And Ole Miss, to their credit, came in and, and played pretty well. I mean, they, they it was 9-7. to seven. I think Ole Miss went up 24-9. to nine And looked like they would have an easy time of it. Matt Corral ran for nearly 200 yards. I mean, he is, uh, he is a force of nature may not be able to play this weekend are you okay it's like your eye falling out of your socket over there <laughs> you're so like sorry. going cross-eyed or something no keep talking i'm good okay all right but anyway comes to the end of the game tennessee makes a rally and then it's like fourth in like 74 it's like a big long play and tennessee seems and looks like they converted but the spot has them short and again it's fourth down at the end of the game and uh it, it doesn't look good in terms of of, of converting that first down, but then uh, they they do the video replay and figure it out, and they it remains short. And the Tennessee fans, let's just say, uh, were not pleased and led to many projectiles being fired onto the field, water bottles, uh, beer bottles, uh, a, a bottle of mustard, because why not? Right, um, you know, so, okay. And, of course, the famous golf ball now that we know right. that's been immortalized. Uh, right. With Lane Kiffin screenshots. So... They start throwing all this trash on the field, so much so where they have to pause the game because the game cannot be played. Yeah, for like 20 minutes. For like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. 
goodness. Um, this is my question about the mustard because the mustard has been talked about a lot. Yes. Because they don't have those kind of mustards at the concession stand. They have the big pump. Okay. Where do the must? Who carries mustard? Do you carry golf balls in your pocket? I do it sometimes. I would say the only one who would carry, carry mustard would be the one and only Colonel Mustard of Clue fame. I think it maybe I would give a pass that he would carry that. So you perhaps think he's a Tennessee fan. Perhaps even Jesus with the parable of the mustard seed. Uh, I think maybe that mm. would be. But I don't believe uh, Jesus nor Colonel Mustard was in attendance on Saturday night. So I think the culprit is at large. Yes. Um, this did, is my other question to okay. you. Are these, and, and you're going to be offended by this, but Probably. That's fine. Thanks a lot. Yeah, Are these sure. your people? Because you have been known to throw things when you're mad. Well, if you like remember, socks. if you remember my two-lane lock of the week was that I would throw uh, clothes or an article of clothing during the Kentucky-Georgia game. And I, in fact, did not. What I did throw, though, was one of my daughter my our daughters it's not just mine Thank of you. our daughters uh, stuffed animals at one point i threw it but oh, i did not do I, I don't know it's one of those like oh it's that thing over there see that pink fox uh, yeah yeah that's, that's fine you can throw that thing, thing away so uh in any case the two late lock of the week uh did not hit it was very disappointing mm-hmm. um here's the thing every fan base has these people Right. I mean, we we can't get on our high. Ho- it's funny because it's Tennessee. Right. But like this could happen. There is not one thing has right. In, for- in in fact, there was an Ole Miss Tennessee basketball game from like two years ago where this thing happened in Oxford. Oh really? Where the Ole Miss basketball fans threw things onto the court. Jeez, oh, right. And there is no fan base out there except maybe Vanderbilt because their fans aren't there anyway. Mm-hmm. Who would basically throw? I mean, it's true. Yeah. Uh, that would that would not be in a situation where they would throw things. The only exception I think might be Alabama because I feel like there's an element of class in the Alabama fan base. That yeah, but they go like poison else. trees. So point taken. They are, they have their own, we all have our own crazy, you know, yeah. like I can think of times in Athens, like when we stomped on our own, like when we beat Tennessee yeah. and then stomped on our own hedges yeah. and it was really not classy. Right. Kentucky, I'm sure you can think of some. We already talked the, about one. The, well, I don't know about fans. The only thing I can remember, we played Louisville one year. One of our players got in a fight with a Louisville player and like picked up a trash can and threw it at him. Oh, and besides there that, you go. So that kind of just encapsulates that whole thing. But yeah, my big thing is that there's no fan base that can avoid this. Today, the SEC announced that they're fining Tennessee $250,000 for that fan behavior. That's the same amount they fined Kentucky for rushing the field against Florida. Really? I feel like that's not fair. I feel like that's excessive field rushing charge. I thought it was like well, 50, it's like 000. if it's the second time you do it, it like escalates. Oh, so like Kentucky okay. did it like a couple of years ago. Apparently, <laughs> we can't have any fun. But I will say this: um, what What do you think like uh, an appropriate punishment of Tennessee would be, uh, if not just the fining? Because we could talk about like a couple things. Like, what should they? Let's see. Like what to, if? To, what if they have to only wear like gray uniforms, not like cool gray, but like prison gray. <laughs> prison gray. I don't know. I don't and know. they have to Not like sure they like going. have to be stripped of their color. Wow, that's like dehumanizing. <laughs> well, I'm trying I to I mean, <laughs> that's kind of doing them a favor because they that orange. I know, maybe just, it's just cuz that's what I want. Yeah, probably. Uh What do you think? Well, I saw a couple of suggestions. One is do you make them play noon games for mm. like which actually is kind of like cuz everyone hates noon games. Right, and they're not as drunk. Right. I mean, you can't tailgate 
uh, you know, another thing was like restrict alcohol sales. Yeah, which, but I heard that I mean, most uh, of the the throwing was being done by the student section, and the student section is not who <laughs> they're had, they're not buying alcohol. In the they're stadium. not they're not the ones that. So it's like, well, now you're taking away alcohol sales from all of the people who are buying alcohol. Right. That's probably not. So I'm trying to think of something that would hurt the you students. You schedule all the exams on Saturdays. Oh, there there you go. There it is. There, there it is. That's right. I just co-opted the two lane lock of the week sound for that because it was a brilliant idea. Sure. Um. I also saw that you like don't let any fans in. Oh, that'd be horrible. That'd be but, like COVID. Well, we that's can't. what I was about to soon. say. Like that sounds really dramatic, but then I thought, well, that happened all last year. So right. like that, that's just a that's just a thing. No, I think I, that's too harsh. I think it's tough for Tennessee. I mean, I've heard some people try to rationalize, be like, Tennessee fans have just had so much to deal with, and oh we my just, gosh. just shut up, shut oh up. I gosh. mean, there, you can't rationalize this behavior. You can't say that only Tennessee fans would do it, and you can't explain why it was okay that you did, even you, though the ref screwed you over. Listen, don't put yourself in that situation. Just win the game. And the be refs ahead. have have been screwing people over more than that. Call. This well, it's the same crew as the Memphis Mississippi State. Really? Game. Okay. The they crew. might need to go back to ref school. Put them in the penalty box, right? Maybe. So, uh, but, but you it, know who came out looking pretty good at that game? Well, it's Lane Kiffin. That's right. I mean, just an all star in every way. He uh, before the game, uh, the Cole Kublik, the SEC Network, asked him like, well, "How? What makes you feel good about coming in here? About your chances?" He basically says, "Matt Corral," mm-hmm. and that's all he said. And then just he's just his demeanor is just so good. And then during the whole thing, he almost gets hit by a golf ball. So he's he he keeps it with him like the whole time, kind of shows it off in the in the interview after the game. It's it's just so much fun. Yeah. And, and I'm I'm just happy he's at a school that, as a Kentucky fan, I have no beef with Ole Miss at all. Right. None. Right. Ole Miss is just like. They're there, and it's just they're entertaining when they're good because either in basketball or football, it's just like, well, this is always fun. So, uh, I, I'm glad he's there. If he were at like, if he were still at Tennessee, I, I would just, you know, I couldn't stand him. Right. But I'm glad right. he's at Ole Miss. Sorry, Mississippi State fans. I'm sure you aren't really, yeah, fans of him. So that but is true. Is what it is. All right. So that is really, uh, I think that's our plan. That's all we got. Uh, the, Betty with Brittany continues to struggle. Gosh. She went one and two. Uh, thanks to Mark Stoops. I know. Uh, it could have been two and two. would have been two and one. Um, or two and one. Right. Um, but it is what it is. And then, of course, the lock of the week failed. So really a big fail week for all of us. It just didn't go well. Yeah. Wow. And it's the first time that one of either Kentucky or Georgia lost since we've started the podcast. That's right. You so okay? uh, yeah, I'll be fine. Okay. I'll be fine. Thanks for checking on me. Um, so, and of course next week there's like four games. It's a very, five games, I think. Mm -hmm. It's a very slow schedule. Uh, a lot of teams have the week off. So, uh, we'll, we'll make that a real short, um, podcast because it's not a lot to talk about. And you're taking a trip this weekend anyway. So, uh, we're going to try to get that in, I think Wednesday, but Mm -hmm. we'll see. We'll see. Maybe it might be a solo podcast. I'll just talk. Oh gosh, I'm sorry, y'all. If that's the case, I won't even be here to edit it. Maybe I'll, I'll maybe it'll be me and Maisie. How's that sound? <laughs> How entertaining would that be? That would for like five, for like two minutes. Yeah, maybe it's gonna be a real short podcast. Oh, gosh. Me all right, so that's good. I think we got it all. So I'm Ben. I'm Brittany. And it's been you, me, and the SEC. Bye.